Well, good morning, Victory Midtown. Are we glad to be in church this morning? Come on, we can do better than that. We're glad to be in church this morning. Those who are watching online, good to see everyone in the house. Listen, as we get ready to jump into this message, I want to say this. I want to say thank you for being here today. I want to say I'm, I'm very glad to see so many smiling eyes at me today, especially on a day like today, because what I realize is that there is a gas shortage, and you being here it costs a premium. Some of y'all are like, you don't even know, bro. I made a decision to come here, and I'm not going over there. So thank you so much for being there, making this a priority. And for those who are worshiping with us online, thank you for taking this time and making this a priority as well as we enter in this time of worship together. Listen, we are closing out our series, and what I'm excited about is even as we've gone through this gas shortage, this was that week when all the electric car owners were looking at us like, how you like me now? But as we go through that, as natural things are happening, what I'm excited about is that we get to kind of culminate the last several weeks of us talking about this in a great way. Now, as we talk about this today and we close our church faith series, we've been focusing primarily about identity and how you show up. Stating that we don't want to just come and have our Sunday morning face and when we leave here we go back to business as usual. What I understand as we walk through this is that we are talking several times about the fact that you were made for something great. Somebody say that with me. I was made for something great. So we not only have said that, we've also continued to say in all of our series that we are wanting to emancipate God's greatness through you. We are wanting to emancipate God's greatness through you. And what that means is that he wants to shine his light through you. He wants to live through you. He wants you to be a vessel for his use. And so as we're looking at this, here it is. The challenge, even when we preach messages like this, the challenge, even when we talk about things like this and we have our hands raised and we have the lights and we have the Holy Spirit is moving in a great way, what I know is that too many people, when they leave this place, they don't really believe this at the core. And what I'm endeavoring to do is to make sure that we don't just show up with our church face on Sunday, but we carry this out throughout the rest of our week. Now, if you've been in church for any period of time, you know you can have the tendency to come in church, get your Sunday high, and then by Monday at 1.37 p.m., you're sobered up and life is hitting you in the face. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're not just subject to the world. We're not just subject to circumstances, but we know how to prosper in life. We know how to operate in life. And what I also know is that for a lot of people in the room, if we're really honest, the hashtag, the struggle is real, could literally be the narrative of your real-life timeline. I see some eyes shaking at me like, yeah, bro, you don't know. So as we're looking at this today, here it is. God's desire is that you just don't operate in victory on Sunday, but that you embody victory wherever you go. Is that even when you are operating and you're coming into Victory Church, when you leave here and the devil starts to lurk, you're able to say, no, I know who I am in Christ. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. This is an everyday thing that I'm living and I'm embodying. So as we walk through this, here it is. We want to embody this thing. We want to make sure we take off the church face and we walk in the fullness of what God has for us. But the only way we can do that is if we walk in the assurance of who Christ made us to be. And if we grab that, if we agree with who he's called us to be. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been stating a lot of I am statements. I am this, I am that. And I want to kind of just go through those kind of for a sake of a review for a moment. In week one, we said, I am human. 
I am human. And we talked about transparency. We talked about vulnerability, which a lot of times is not present in the church, unfortunately. But what we said is that God is our helper. But in order to actually be healed from something, we have to be able to reveal something. So as we're looking at that, we went into week two. And in week two, we talked about the fact that I am restored. Even in my failures, Jesus can still pick me up. Even when I do something I know I wasn't supposed to do, the power of God is not limited to even my decisions. In week three, we talked about the fact that I am a child of God. And I made this statement. I said, if being a child of God is not enough, then nothing will ever be enough. If being a child of God is not enough, then nothing will ever be enough. And in week four, Pastor Johnson, he talked about the fact that we are wanted and loved. I am wanted and loved. That's a message that's very much needed in the world we live in today. And what we were stating is that God is affirming your worth and your value. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you wear. It's not even about how you show up. God is affirming your identity. And last week, we talked about I am free. I'm free to be all that God called me to be. I'm free from comparison. I'm not trying to be like somebody else. I'm not trying to play somebody else's role. I want to take my role in this world so that God can actually emancipate his greatness through me. Amen? And so with all of these powerful message, with all of these things that we've talked about, not you, but your neighbor is still kind of thinking, do I believe this? Not you, because you're saved, you're sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. You prayed this morning, you read your devotional, and you went to small group this week. You're not worried about this, but your neighbor is still kind of battling with this. And so as we look at this, as you're hearing these messages, what I get, what I get and I understand is that you can go home, and your home might not be that joyful. You can go on that job, and it might be thankless. You can go to those relationships, and the reciprocity is not really happening the way that you thought it was going to happen. But what I do know is that there's a question that we want to answer today. And this question is in your notes. I want you to write this down, circle it, highlight it, save it. The question that we want to answer today in this sixth and final week of this church faith series is this. How can I live such a life that I am secure in who I am in God and what he says about me so that even the attacks of the enemy can't throw me off? I'm going to rewind it and play it back real quick because I need us to grab this. Today, as I'm ministering, these things are so critical for us to get. The message today is something that if you don't grab this, you'll miss some things because God is actually preparing us for what's to come. And I actually want to encourage you, go back and listen to this whole series. Put it on your podcast and play it again. The question that we're asking today and that we're answering today is how can I live such a life that I am secure in who I am in God and what he says about me so that even the attacks of the enemy can't throw me off. The B clause of that question is this. How do I transfer my Sunday morning confidence, my Sunday morning identity, my Sunday morning faith to remain strong Monday through Saturday? How do I take this thing on and not just hear the word but operate as a doer of the word? If I'm watching at home, how do I, even in my, this time that I've set apart to actually be in this worship service, how do I take all this in and not just let it pass me by? What we want to do is we want to answer the question. The answer to this question is found in three parts in this piece that I want to give you right now, and I definitely need you to take note of this. I want you to hear it, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me because I need us to grab this in our spirit. 
Three things, here it is. As we answer this question, we must know this. Number one, we're in a war. Number two, God has given us tools. Number one, we're in a war. Number two, the war is for our identity. And number three, God has given us tools for this war. Let me say it one more time. Number one, we're in a war. Number two, the war is for our identity. And number three, God has given us tools to win this war. So I need you to repeat after me. Say this, I am in a war. The war is for my identity. But God has given me the tools to win this war. Come on, say it as a proclamation of faith. Say, I am in a war. The war is for my identity. But God has given me the tools to win this war. See, I believe that God can actually teach us very spiritual lessons through natural occurrences. And as we went throughout this week, I, just like you, I was searching around for gas, and I paid a good pretty penny to fill my tank up this week. After looking at a lot of places, I found that one place. I was like, Eureka, thank you, Jesus. I found that place. But here it is. There's a bigger message in the things that happen in the natural. And a lot of times what we do is we'll kind of go by the way, and we don't realize that God is actually still trying to speak to us even through the natural. So what I did, just like so many other people who are trying to find answers to spiritual problems, I did what you would do. I Googled it. I Googled. I Googled this question, and I said, Lord, okay, I'm trying to find out. But I went to Google. I said, what is the cause of this gas shortage on the East Coast especially? And what I found as I started to look that up, I found this. I found that the Colonial Pipeline, deemed as America's energy lifeline, was hacked using something called ransomware. Ransomware. See, ransomware, it's a type of malicious software designed to block access to, hold hostage, and scramble computer system data until a sum of money is paid. Let me say it again. Ransomware, ransom. Ransomware is a type of malicious software designed to block access to, hold hostage, and scramble computer data until a sum of money is paid. So as I saw that, as I read it, as I looked it up and Google was speaking to me, I said, what art thou saying, Lord? You know, I had to get real spiritual because I went to Google and I didn't go to the concordance. I didn't go to logos. I had to get real spiritual. What art thou saying, Lord? And I felt like the Lord kind of gave me an impression. He said, Mo, number one, America has been operating on an energy they can provide for way too long. And sometimes I need to show that you can't just operate in your own strength and you need to be refocused and resourced to my strength, to my energy, to what I provide. And furthermore, the second thing that I felt like the Lord was actually saying is that the devil is the originator of ransomware. The devil for over 2,000 years has been attacking and trying to block access between us and our source. He's been trying to block access to our operating system, which is the word of God. And if we're not careful what we'll do, we'll so depend on what we can actually take hold of tangibly in the natural that we'll put the spiritual source back to the background. And as we're looking at this, I'm so glad that our ransom was paid by Jesus. I'm so glad that even when the devil tries to use ransomware and tries to throw things back at us, we can say, no, my ransom was paid. The price was paid for my sins and for my identity by Jesus. So as I looked at this, what makes this so important 
But what I'm talking about today is that the devil is stubborn. The devil will still try you because he knows he can't try Jesus, but he will try you. He knows that he's already defeated by Jesus, but he will try you to see if you have come in agreement with what he's already done. Now, what we have to do is we have to actually follow the motto of Jesus. Because Jesus shows us how to operate in victory. Jesus shows us how to defeat the enemy. But we have to go to the scriptures. Too many times we're looking at Google when God is saying, come to the scriptures. And so this is what I want to do. I want to show us really quickly the model of victory. So we're going to go to the scriptures. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Now, a side note, you can always find a model of victory in the scripture. If you're looking for truth, you can always find it in the scripture. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. See, right here, Jesus' identity is spoken directly over him. Right here, there is no question about how the father feels about the son. Right here, Jesus is saying, you are wanted and you are loved and you don't have to perform in order to actually do something that will make me happy. It goes on here to say, then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, I just got to pause right there because uh, I believe that's the understatement of the century. If this was the Mo version, it would say he was hungry. H-O-O-O-N-G-R-Y. He's talking about going hungry for 40 days. After four hours, I start to get a little Tourette's. As we look at this, it says he was hungry. It says the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and he will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Let me pause right there and let you know. I want you to understand that the devil knows the scriptures too. As you read through this, what's happening is there's a dialogue back and forth with the devil and Jesus. The devil is trying to present certain things that are in the scriptures, but Jesus has to come back and say, I need to give you the angle of the truth that this is written in, though. It goes on to say right here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. If he was saying it in 2021, he would say, not today, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. I want you to notice something here. What the devil was doing at every turn, the enemy was providing if-then statements. At every turn, the enemy was saying, if you are the son of God, then prove it. 
At every turn, he wanted to get Jesus to question his identity. I have a word for somebody in the house. You've been hearing things that have been making you question your identity, but God sent you here today to be shored up and to be secured in your identity. Because the reality is the devil is saying, I know who you are, but do you know who you are? He said it to Jesus and he's saying it to us. I know what God said about you, but do you believe what God said about you? And I need you to watch this. The devil will try to get you to strive for something that you've already arrived at, which is actually the foundation for pride. Can I say it again? The devil's tricks, his ploys, his schemes is to try to get you to strive for something that you've already arrived at, which is literally the foundation for pride. What do I mean? Pride is where you're trying to get on the devil's agenda instead of God's agenda. Pride is when you're trying to operate out of your strength instead of God's strength. Pride is when you look past the fact that God created all things, that he did all things for you, and you start to think that you're that good, that you're that smart, that you're that talented, that you're worthy of this thing. And so as we're looking at this, here it is. There's a sneaky thing that the devil tries to do. This is in your notes. I need you to write it down, focus on it, highlight it. The devil wants you to try to earn what has already been given to you. That's a simple truth, but I need you to get it because he tries to trick us in the simple. He tries to trick us in the mundane. The devil wants you to try to earn what God has already given you. And this is why we've been drilling this down for the last several weeks. We've been drilling down the point of saying, hey, you don't need to try to strive for identity. You need to live from identity. You don't need to try to prove something. You need to know that it's already been proven to you, and you just show up and walk in his power. But what we do is we get fooled. We get caught striving, which, like I said a couple weeks ago, it makes us to start to connive, to try to do things in our own strength, to try to manipulate situations and people and circumstances. And so as we look at this, here it is. We are dealing with a defeated enemy, but he wants to know do you know he's defeated? So what's happening is that this defeated enemy, he is fishing. P-H-I, not F-I-S-H. He is fishing. If you know anything about software, if you know anything about the internet, phishing, P-H-I-S-H, is when someone tries to get in. They try to create something that looks legitimate, but it's really trying to fool you to give away your inheritance. The devil has come in this place. The devil has come in your life. The devil has tried to be around you to try to get you to look like it's something that you actually need, but it's not what you need. He's trying to get you to agree with him when God is saying, you need to agree with me. So as we're looking at this, he is trying at identity theft. The devil is trying at identity theft. He's trying to replicate something that looks legitimate with intentions of stealing your destiny. So here it is. Today, this is what I want to do. Very simply, I want to just equip us against identity theft and give us a spiritual security system. I want to give us a spiritual security system. I want to give you just a few keys today so that you can make sure you understand that you're secure, that you're not at the whim of the devil, that you're not at the whim of circumstances. So number one, how do we avoid identity theft? Number one, we have to be alert. We have to be alert. God does not want us to operate in the ministry of amazement. What is the ministry of amazement? The ministry of amazement is when something real and valid is something that's coming, but you act like you were surprised by it. 
And what we need to understand is that in order to not operate in the ministry of amazement, we have to know that trials and trouble will come. Can I say it again? Trials and trouble will come. See, I'm not the type of preacher that will tell you when you give your life to Christ, when you lift your hands, when you pray, that now everything's going to be happy, happy, joy, joy. I'm not the type of preacher that's going to try to fool you and manipulate your emotions and say, just come to church and everything's going to be okay. I'm a pastor. I'm the type of preacher that wants you to be equipped. I'm a pastor that I take it very seriously to make sure that everyone that comes under the sound of my voice in any way that I'm able to influence, that you are ready for what the day will give you. That you understand that as we walk in this kingdom life, that there is something that God wants you to be prepared for. The reason I can say that so surely is because Jesus was full of the Spirit and he still got tempted. So you think you're better than Jesus? The reason why I can say that with so much confidence is because he told us, he talked about the devil and told us to be aware of him. Now, God wants you to know where the attack is actually coming from. So here it is. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let me pause right there. Can you look at your neighbor real quick? Your struggle is not with them. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, my struggle is not with you. See, I'm helping some husband and some wife right now because you argued on the way over here. And you thought the struggle was with them. Tell them, the struggle is not with you. The struggle is not against flesh and blood. It goes on to say, it's not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. See, what this scripture is saying as we understand that it's not about the person sitting next to us is that it's not even about people saying they don't like what you have on. It's not about people saying that they don't like you as a person. It's not even about the contention that might be in your household, even with your spouse, even if it's valid. The real thing is, is that we have an enemy that's trying to divide us. We have an enemy that likes uh, to, us to be disjointed instead of being in unity. And when we don't understand this, what we miss is that we have a real enemy, and his name is the devil. We have a real enemy, and his name is the devil. Now, I can hear some of my religious folks in the room, and you're saying, Mo, you're actually talking a lot about the devil today. Listen, I'm talking about him because just because you ignore something doesn't mean it goes away. He would like for us not to talk about him so that we would be surprised with his schemes. And here's the thing, a lot of people, a lot of detrimental things happen when you ignore it. Some of you have things going on in your body right now that you feel that you know you're supposed to go to the doctor, but you're not going to the doctor thinking it's just going to go away. Yes, I believe in healing, but I also believe in identifying where we need to pray for healing. Yes, I believe in healing, but I also believe that God has given us doctors and people to help us operate in this process. So as we're talking about this, listen. Ignoring a pain point does not make it go away. And if you don't believe me, what happens is that you will continue to allow things to just stay around and they will continue to overtake you because you didn't take note of it. Watch this. The reason why this is so important is because there was a survey done that there are over 70% of Christians, not unsaved people, but 70% of Christians say that they don't believe that there's a real devil. And this is why we get fooled so much. 
And this is why things happen to us. This is why we actually fall in things that we shouldn't fall into. So as we're looking at this, here it is. You can choose to ignore the devil and act like he's not there, but he's not going to ignore you. You can choose to act like it's just this figment of your imagination, this red man with a pitchfork, but he's not going to ignore you. Watch this. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this. Be alert and be sober of mind. I like to stop right there. Actually, what it's saying is, wake up. You know how people do it. Wake up. Be sober. Be alert. It's saying your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, what the scripture is really saying in layman's terms is that the devil is trolling. Some of y'all are worried about people trolling you on social media, liking something or unliking it, putting the alias down and making statements. The devil is trolling because he hates you. The devil is trolling because he knows you love God and he hates anyone that loves God. The devil is trolling you because he knows you have a destiny, but if you will give that destiny over to him, you actually self-check yourself. Be sober. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone he can devour. The names of the devil are these, father of lies, ruler of this world, tempter, thief, accuser, the evil one. We need to be alert of these things so that we can know how to combat him in Scripture. Because here's the thing, we have a real enemy who is out for you. We have a real enemy who is out for you, but I thank God for the victorious power of Jesus. And so what we're talking about today is we're talking about being secure in Jesus, not in our own ability. Watch this, my late pastor, Bishop Long, he used to say this all the time. I mean, I may have heard him say this over a hundred times. Write this down, it's in your notes. He would say this, he said, the enemy wants to blind our minds Steal our identity, kill our authority in Christ so that we deny and destroy our destiny and purpose. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all need to write that down or circle it or screenshot it and save it for later. The enemy wants to blind our minds, steal our identity, kill our authority in Christ so that we deny and destroy our destiny and purpose. Do you notice it did not say he destroys it? It says we, because when we don't understand our destiny, we don't understand our identity, we will give away our inheritance. When we don't understand how powerful we are, how valuable we are, we will allow someone to take advantage of us because we don't realize we're holding gold in our hands. And the enemy is very strategic. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, be aware of his schemes. Let me show you some of his schemes. Some of his schemes are these. Number one, he attacks you after you receive a truth from God. In Matthew chapter 4, you saw it, after Jesus was baptized, then he was taken into the wilderness. When he was fasting, he was hungry, then the enemy came after him. Right after Jesus' baptism, God spoke into him, he imparted life into him, he imparted purpose into him, he imparted destiny into him, and that's when the enemy came. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you. Listen, you're going to get in your car, some of you. And right when you leave here, you're going to start hearing a voice saying, you don't believe all that. They're talking about those scriptures. You know that they used those scriptures back in the day to manipulate slaves, right? Some of you are going to get in your car and you're going to be like, oh, oh, they don't know that you messed up last night. Some of you are going to get in your car and the devil's going to start to whisper to you and say, they don't know you like I know you. 
Yeah, you smiled and you raised your hands, but I really know what you did before you came in this church. But here it is. Can you lift your hands right now? I want to cancel every word of doubt over your life. And I declare right now that you will not operate in condemnation. I declare right now that you will not operate in identity theft. I declare right now that you will walk in the assurance of who God has made you. I declare right now by the blood of Jesus that this word will not be stolen from you, but you will walk in it in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that and give God praise. He attacks you right after you receive a truth from God, but then he also attacks you when you're tired and hungry. Somebody's like, he's attacking me right now because I didn't have time to eat breakfast this morning. <laughs> he attacks you when you're tired and when you're hungry. He wants to fulfill you with something that he can provide, not with what God provides. See, Jesus, while he was fasting, he was a little vulnerable in that moment because his other senses were now heightened because he was so hungry. So it would have been very easy for him to listen to these temptations of the devil and actually go with it. But he said, no, it is written. Here it is. While Jesus was hungry for food, some of us in this room, we haven't been able to read our Bibles as much as we wanted to in the past couple of weeks. And that bread of heaven that's supposed to sustain us, we've been a little malnutritious. So some of those areas that used to not be big temptations to you, they've been coming up in your spirit a little heavier. Some of those things that you used to be able to just walk away, now you're kind of taking that second look. Some of those things that you thought you were done with because you're not feeding yourself with the bread of life, you now will start to reach for things that God already told you were not for you. Let me shift gears for a second. Let me shift gears for a second. Maybe you and your spouse are in the room and, and, or one of you are here and you've been arguing a little bit lately. And you haven't been as intimate as you usually would be. The devil is actually trying to create a fissure between you. The devil is also trying to make you feel like somebody else would actually fulfill that. Let me tell you, when you start to feel that contention at home and when you start to see, oh, we're not on our schedule. Yes, married folks know what I'm talking about. We're not on our schedule of making sure that we connect. You have to make sure you ask the question, is it them or is it the devil? Because the devil wants you vulnerable, so when that person at work starts to compliment you on your clothes, you start to say, well, maybe they will care about me. Maybe they will actually see my worth. And I'm here to cancel every uh, assignment of the enemy right now that tries to defend against those things that marriages should be. And I declare right now you will operate in the fullness of what God has for you. Lastly, some of you, your thing is not food, your thing is not sex, it's not intimacy. Your thing is, you might be a workaholic. You're working hard. You're waking up, turning on your email, going to sleep with email. And you're wondering why you're a little weak. You're wondering why you're tired. You're wondering why you're not refreshed. And now your immune system is starting to break down. It's because you're trying to get fulfillment in something outside of the spirit of God. And the enemy will try to slide in anytime he can. Here it is. He wants to propose something to fill your hunger that is not of God, and that will take you out. Write this down. It's in your notes. Every temptation is an invitation from the enemy to give him access into our hearts and our identity. I'm going to say it again. Every temptation is an invitation to the enemy to give him access into our hearts and our identity. And here it is. When you're hungry, all of us have a certain type of bait 
that we're more likely to bite on. And so that's why we have to have community. That's why we have to hear these words. That's why we have to be prepared before we get into the fight. Jesus shows us a model. When the devil shows up and begins to tempt him, he shows us what to do. He starts to say the word back to him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. After the devil came and tempt, tempted him, Jesus answered, hold on, let me go Google what, the God, what God said. No, no, he didn't say that. Did Jesus say, hold on, I heard a sermon one time by Pastor Mo. Let me go kind of look at my notes and see what he said about this area. No, he didn't say that. While all of that's good, it's good to be able to Google, it's good to be able to look up the scriptures, it's good to be able to rehearse sermons that you heard. But what Jesus said is this. He said, it is written. He said, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here it is. Jesus knew the scriptures. What he was actually doing, he was quoting Deuteronomy 8 and 3. So he knew the scriptures. He didn't have to go get ready. Because what happens is that a lot of times we find ourselves trying to get ready when the fight is already upon us. When the fight is on you, you don't have time to go get ready. You can't show up one day and the enemy tries to come. You say, hold on, let me, let me go get my armor. See, many of you know that I, that I actually train in jujitsu and I, I do MMA and I've worked in those things. And what I understand is that I had to be alert. I have to train myself because I want to make sure that I'm conditioned for the resistance that will come in my life. If I don't take the time and practice to make sure that I'm actually seeing what's going to come, what's going to happen is when it comes to me, then I will be caught off guard. God, by his spirit, wants you to know, be alert and be open to what God is doing and be prepared because in being prepared, you're able to say, no, it is written. I'm not going to fall for this. I'm going to make sure that I'm not waiting on myself to get ready. I am already ready. Stay ready to keep from getting ready. Hashtag that. But here it is. How do we get prepared? We get prepared by understanding this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So right here, we're talking about being prepared. And the way that we operate in being prepared is that we have to learn the scriptures. We have to digest the scriptures. Because in the scriptures comes the authority of the power of God. And for some of us, you may be saying, like, I don't know a lot of scriptures. Let me give you a wisdom key. It's not really about how many scriptures you know. It's about the depth of the scriptures that you're going to really believe. It's not about you knowing Genesis to Revelations. It's about maybe you know that one scripture that you can quote and that you can declare when the enemy tries to come upon you. Let me give you a little clue. For some of us, this scripture right here that I'm going to give you is going to be your rehearsal scripture for the week. 1 John 4, 4. Write it down. 1 John 4, 4. It's not in your scripture. The paraphrase for this scripture is this. The one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm going to say it again because somebody needs that victory in their spirit. The one who is in me is greater than the one that is in the world. And this week, I need you to start to say that until you believe it. I need you to declare it until you believe it. 
Because we also prepare by making sure that we put on armor. We can't just talk about it. We have to put on what God actually gave us. And many of you, you may be familiar with Ephesians 6, but let me tell it to you. Let me read it for you. Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, 6 verse 10, it says this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece, don't leave anything out, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. It's not saying if, it's saying when. It goes on. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And watch this. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Wake up and be persistent in your prayers for all believers wherever you are. Here it is. That's a long scripture to say this. It's not super complex, but it is to be intentional. What it's saying right here is that every day I have to be proactive and not passive. Every day I can't just wait for the fight to come to me. I have to already know that there's going to be a fight because I'm in a war. But God has given me the tools and I'm going to win this war. And so when you wake up in the morning, the way I do it, when I wake up in the morning, I say, I put on the belt of truth in the body armor, understanding that I'm declaring that I'm secured and I'm founded in God. I don't stop there. I ready myself. And I ask God to lead my feet so that I know who I'm supposed to speak to, who I'm supposed to share the good news with. I wake up and pray and I remind myself that what God said about me is true, that my identity is secured in him. And I continue to submit my mind to Christ. I put on the helmet of salvation knowing that I'm secured in Jesus. And lastly, but not least, I read my word. I read my word in the morning. Now, your morning might not be my morning. I don't know what industry you're in. But whatever starts your day, you need to read your word so that you can be on the offense and not on the defense. Let me say it again. We need to stop being spiritually passive. I'm slowing down on purpose because a lot of times we think when we come to church that everything is going to be happy, happy, joy, joy. Everything is going to be easy. No. We need to understand that we're in a war. God's given us the tools and we're going to win this war. And the enemy knows what God said about you. But my question and his question to you is, do you know what he said about you? Do you know? Are you secure in the fact that God has already made you free? And that just leads me to the last thing that I want to share today. The third thing, number one, we have to make sure that we're alert. Number two, we have to be prepared. And number three, we have to be secure. Be secure. What does it mean to be secure? I was thinking about this, and what I understand is that all of us operate differently when we're secure. All of us operate differently when someone has affirmed us. 
All of us operate differently when we're not trying to prove something. Have you ever watched somebody or you've been in a situation yourself where you were trying out for a particular role or you were going for an interview and you were feeling like any mistake I make was going to actually cancel me out of this opportunity? With that, you don't operate at your full potential. When you're thinking about that and thinking about somebody's going to take your spot, you don't operate at your full potential. But I remember when I was playing ball and when I would come into certain seasons, knowing that I was a starter, I could just ball out. Because I wasn't worried about it. But when I'm trying, what I'm doing is every little step I take, I'm operating tentatively. God wants you to know you are already affirmed. He wants you to know you are already secure. If you gave your life to him once, you don't have to keep running down to the altar and say, I need to get saved again. You need to just re-up and say, Lord, I'm going to believe the word that you already said about me. And the Bible tells us this. He says that God told us that we are his beloved children. And that's a word for you and that's a word for me, that we are his beloved children. See, Jesus says this right here. This is, I'm going to close with this. He says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than them all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand and I and the father are one. See, Jesus said that twice right there because he knew that some of us by our circumstances would start to question if we were secure in him. We would start to question if we were really his. But I'm here to let you know that once the devil really gets the fact that you really believe this, he doesn't stand a chance. Once the enemy really is settled knowing that you're not going to keep going back and forth, but you're going to really found yourself in this truth, he does not stand a chance. And I want to read this last scripture over us as a prophetic declaration so that you understand that even as you go throughout this week, this is something to read over and over and over again. Because I already told you that trials will come, but they cannot prosper over you. The Bible says this in Psalm 91. Listen to this. Hear it. Get it in your spirit. Psalm 91 says this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will secure you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. These evils will not touch you. Somebody needs to receive it. These evils will not touch you. I understand we live in a world where things are going crazy. But when we're secure in God, when we're ready for the battle before it comes, we can stand on this truth. And I'm here to let you know that as you grab this security in God, you don't have to walk as a victim anymore. You don't have to walk as a victim anymore. You don't have to let life happen to you, but you engage life in the spirit. 
you have to understand that not being a victim means that you're a victor. And you don't just come to Victory Church, but you embody victory every day of your life. As we get ready to close today, I want us to get this in such a way that's deep down in our spirits that even when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, you don't have to wait. You say, the Lord has raised up a standard because I have a word to fight that argument from the devil with the truth of God. And so what I want to do is I want to make sure that everybody in this room, that you are secured in that. So if you would, can you just bow your heads with me for a moment? I want to pray for salvation right now. And as your heads are bowed, there may be some people in the room that you're saying, man, I hear this word about being secure. I hear this word. I know that I need more than I'm walking in right now. And I can't really say that I'm secured in Jesus. I can't really say that my destiny is secure. I can't really say that I'm going to heaven if I was to die today. If that's you in the room and you want to make the confession of faith today that you want to become secure in your relationship with God, I want you just to lift one of your hands up while every head is bowed. I see some of those hands. I see hands all around the room. You can put your hands down. Let's repeat after me. Let's say this prayer together. And I want us to say it with authority so that we all understand our security. Lord Jesus, thank you for being my security. Thank you for paying the cost for my sin. I declare today that I repent meaning that I turn away from my wicked ways and I turn towards your way of truth. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior and I am secure in you and my life can never be snatched away. From this day forward, I will walk in your power, I will walk in your authority and I will walk in your love. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. Keep those heads bowed. Keep those heads bowed. I talked earlier about ransomware. Ransomware. And ransomware being something where the enemy tries to lock you out of your identity. Where the enemy tries to lock you out of your connection with the source. And for some of us in the room, you come to church week in and week out. You've even heard this message, and you're still kind of like, man, I don't really know. I want to let you know that God has a truth that actually defies every fact in your life. So I want to pray over everyone in this room. Father, I thank you right now for those who still might be battling with the contention in their heart. For those who still might be battling with if they are valid or if they are worthy or not. Father, I come against ransomware in the spirit, and I declare, peace be still. God, I thank you right now that you paid the ransom in the form of Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you that you are raising up saints right here at Victory Church who know how to battle shame, who know how to battle condemnation when it comes. So, Father, I thank you that every person in here, you will find us standing firm on your word, that when the devil comes, they will not run away but they will resist and the devil will run away from them. Father, I thank you right now and I call peace upon them right now in Jesus' name. Amen.